Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Kids, they're great at asking why and making adults feel real dumb real fast. Uh, Daddy, why are you driving so fast? Because uh, we're late again. Why are we late? Because we spent all morning trying to get you to eat your breakfast. Why do I got to eat breakfast, Dad? Because you got to eat to live. I, I, I don't, yeah. Why do I got to eat to live, Dad? Uh, uh, your dad's an idiot. I don't know why we got to eat to live. Um, just please be quiet so Daddy can watch the road, all right? Come on now. Daddy? Yes? Why do, you, why do I have to be quiet if you only need your eyes to watch the road? <laughs> Somebody is going to die. Why? Why? Uh, we've all been there, whether it's out of confusion or frustration or in the case of Jesus as he's crying out from the cross just in pure agony, asking the question, why? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. Um, how many of you went to go see the movie The Passion? Is back in 2004, so I know it's a little bit dated, um, but I remember going and watching that movie, uh, The Passion, depicting the last week of Jesus as he's um, going and heading towards the cross. And the first time I watched that movie in the, in the theater, actually, I fell asleep the first time I watched it. I'm like, is that wrong for me to fall asleep in this movie? But it was a, I was a volunteer for a youth group. It was a midnight showing. We had rented out the theater uh, to, to show to teens in town. It was a midnight showing. I fell asleep. I woke up. The dude next to me was like asleep and we're like, did he, did he make it out? I, we don't know. You know, I don't know. Um, um, so the second time I watched The Passion, I'm sorry, that was a bad joke. Um, the second time. Um, I watched The Passion, um, it just helped me get a first glimpse that this crucifixion of Jesus was not this Sunday school version of a crucifixion that I, that I grew up with. Like there, the movie helped me to see that there was a rawness to this thing. There was blood, there was gore, there was a stench in this scene. And leading up to that, on a, on a Thursday, Scripture tells us that Jesus was arrested that night on a Thursday night. And he was taken on trial before the, the Jewish leaders called the Sanhedrin in that area. And they made false accusations against him. They spit on him. And he stayed silent. He didn't really speak up for himself. And then the next morning, he comes before Pilate, the Roman governor leader of the, of the area, and he stands trial before him. And, and Pilate is even like, dude, what did you do to make these people so mad? They want to kill you. Like, I have the power to rescue you. Just talk. And he stayed silent. He didn't speak up for himself. And then Pilate's like, hands him over to the Romans, to the soldiers. And they, they whip him. And they beat him and they mock him. They take a, a crown of thorns and they, they shove it on his head and they, they mock him and worship and bow down. Scripture says that he was, he was beaten so much that he was barely recognizable as a human being. And yet, he stayed silent. 
And then they nail him to a cross. They put nails in his, in his wrists. They put nails in his feet. And he's hung up on a cross in public, in front of everyone, without a stitch of clothing on, hanging there. The creator being crucified by creation. And it's at this point he talks. It's at this point he speaks. And for the next couple of weeks, he says seven things. Scripture records seven things that Jesus says while he's dying on a cross. And we're not going to cover them all today or, or in the next couple of weeks. We're actually just going to cover um, uh, about half of them. But today we're going to look at, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he cries this out on the, the cross. What seems so unreasonable, unexplainable. I mean, for the Romans, a random, senseless act of violence. It just seems so random in our lives. For the Jews, it was, it was out of just pure jealousy and hatred towards Jesus that they're, they're doing this. And it seems so random that this would be happening to God. And yet, I know for us, it's a lot of times in our lives when, when it says that darkness filled the land. And we have darkness that just fills our soul with grief or despair. Or there's darkness in the land of our lives within the relationships. And things seem so random or so senseless, or so evil. And we don't understand why, God, that we can ask some of these same questions. Why? Hi, my name is Lisa, and in July of 2008, my husband and I went in for a routine ultrasound at 20 weeks, and we found out then that our baby didn't have a heartbeat. Hi, my name is Scott. About It was early morning, I got a phone call, and it was about my grandson being taken to the hospital. He was my little buddy. He was, he was the world to me. I have other grandkids, but, but Nova was, he was special. Uh, my name is Deidre, and um, my father sexually abused me until I was eight years old. Um, and he also beat the living daylight out of my mother. And when we got there, and they had just, had just gotten him resuscitated, they admitted him into the, his room, and. And it was at that point that I was like, God, why? Why? He's, he's not even three years old. Why would you take this precious boy? It made me feel betrayed by God. It made me feel dirty. It made me feel like God left me um, out there by myself. Um, and I asked why. Um, I couldn't understand why God would allow something like that to happen to me. It was about a week when, when he finally passed away. So that was the hardest thing that we ever had to go through. And it was the hardest point in my life. And I questioned and questioned and questioned why, why was this baby taken from us when I never got to hold him or kiss his face.
I know we can struggle with the whys in our own lives that we've gone through and we've experienced. And I want to say, because I know it gets me um, teared up just watching that and even thinking about things that I've gone through and knowing things that you've gone through. If there is no God, if we live in a godless universe, um, there's not much hope. There, there's not much meaning, and, and there's not really any answers that we can find to our whys. But I'm here to tell you today that we do have hope, that we do serve a God who loves you and has, gives you purpose. And I want to, my goal today is, if you're coming in here to why, not to say, oh, don't ask why. It's okay to ask why. But there's a what behind your why. And I know you not know specifically what it is. We may not get out of here today knowing specifically what it is, but I want to tell you there is hope, and Jesus is alive. He's not in the tomb. He's still alive, and there is hope. There is a what behind your why. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's crying out, why? And what is interesting about this saying is it's actually he's quoting a song. He's quoting Psalm 22. It's, a, it's, a, it's the first verse of Psalm 22. And he, he's, he's letting them know just through that first phrase, hey, look to this psalm, Psalm 22. It says that if you read the scriptures, a lot of people didn't understand what he was saying. But he's like, if you know what I'm saying, picture this psalm and we're going to look at it because I want to invoke a feeling with this. You need, you've had a song or songs where you just hear the first note or you hear the, the first line of a song and what? It invokes a feeling, right? Come on now. You're just like, you know, you're like, I'm ready to go. It is invoking feeling. Let's go. Let's get a workout. We got some victory. We're feeling good. Songs can invoke something within us. Come on now, spring break, anybody, anybody, anybody go to the beach, spring break, come on, it's all right, yeah, don't worry, don't worry about a thing, nothing to worry about on spring break, oh, wait a minute, wait, do not get into that ocean, don't get into the water, it's pretty, but don't step, oh, look out, look out, all right, yeah, songs, invoking feeling, it is baseball season. Come on, anybody. Anybody. You want to sing it. You want to sing it. Let's go. Red Sox. Yes. Sweet ba, ba. Come on. invoking some feeling. We can have fun in church too. It's all right. Jesus is pointing to Psalm 22. And the thing about Psalm 22, it's, it's kind of a, it's a messianic passage, which is a churchy word for saying, hey, this is something in the Old Testament that was pointing to a savior, that was pointing to a redeemer, the, the Messiah, the anointed one. And he's kind of, he's making some points here, even in his death as he's crying out, he's, he's still at work as the Messiah, pointing to, to, to some things that are happening in this moment. And so I want to look at Psalm 22, because he pointed us there, and we're going to find three things in Psalm 22 that are going to help us see what is happening to Jesus in this moment as he's crying out. And the first thing is, he was truly forsaken. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was truly forsaken. In some of your translations, it says abandoned. And the first two verses of Psalm 22 say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish, my God, I cry out by day, and you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. You ever been there? I think it is okay to have some doubts and questions about God. Just read the Psalms. They're real and they're raw. It's like, God, I don't even know where you are right now. And for Jesus in this moment, he was truly abandoned by God. He was, he was forsaken. It says that from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. In that moment, Jesus was experiencing the wrath of God, which is something that we don't like to talk about. But God's wrath is a, is a characteristic of his. And it was poured out on Jesus in that moment, and he was abandoned by God. We, we describe that as hell. Like, we don't like to talk about hell either, but the best description that I can give as to what is hell like, it is being completely separated and abandoned by God. And in this moment, Jesus was abandoned and forsaken. Now, some of you might kind of be like, how did this happen? I don't, you know, there's like the Trinity and there's like this perfect unity and Jesus is God, but you got God the Father and you got the Holy Spirit. They're all God, but they're all one. And like, I... I can't explain it. I, 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 I've tried to just rack my brain. I'm sure there's some theologian or maybe even you. You're smarter than me, and that's fine. That's okay. I just I don't exactly understand what transaction took place in this moment between God, the Father, and God, the Son, to, to make it happen. But I know this. It happened, and he was forsaken he was abandoned. Scripture says it like this in Galatians 3.13. said, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus became sin on the cross for us. He became sin. He became rape. He came, became murder. He became hatred. He became gossip. He became lust. He became uh, racism. He became all of those things on our behalf on the cross. He was truly forsaken, but yet there's a twist in this. He could have come down at any moment, but he didn't. In, in humanity's worst act in history was also part of God's divine plan. God is a good father. And so even in this moment, as he's crying out why, he was fully forsaken, but he was also fully trusting God in this moment. I do not want you to miss that. He was truly forsaken by God, part of his plan. It was not going how we would want things to go in his life. Yet, I will still trust you in my why and move forward. I had a couple, it was a couple years ago, I had a doctor's visit with our son, Jeremiah. He was coughing and uh, gagging and kind of throwing up whenever he would eat something. And there wasn't any recognizable um, things to diagnose like a fever or the flu. He wasn't running a fever or anything like that. And so um, we just couldn't quite figure it out. And so we were kind of concerned maybe he swallowed something. 
It's, it's been going for a couple days, and maybe he's got a toy in there or a coin, so we need to go to a throat specialist and have this thing uh, just investigated a little bit more. So I take him into the doctors. I'm sitting there with him. The doctors check in, checking his, his breathing and kind of looking in his mouth, and he kind of looks at me and says, I, there's nothing visibly that I can see from the outside that's, that's blocking. He's like, I'm going to have to go in there. And I'm like, what, what does that mean? And he pulls out this little handheld device with a big wire. And he's like, I got to, this is a camera on the end. And I got to stick this tube down his throat and I got to go in there. I'm like, the dude's three. He ain't, he, he ain't getting nothing. We can barely get him to eat a pizza. You know, you ain't sticking that down his throat. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, you're going to, you're going to sit him in your lap. You're going to, you're going to headlock him. And then you're going to like get his arms and straight jacket him. And he's like, I'm going to go as fast as I can. Take me about 20 seconds, but we're going to put, you know, you're just going to have to hold him real hard. And he's like, and he's three. And so there's a good chance he's probably not going to remember this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, son, so here we go. Daddy's going to headlock you really hard and straightjacket you with your arms. And for 20 seconds, he's, you know, fighting. I'm like, this is for your good. We're trying to help you. Fortunately, there was no toy. It was like a, a fungus or something, and we got it cleared up within a couple days. But it was just like, we, we have a tough time. Like, why would this be happening to me? You're punishing me. This hurts. I cannot trust you. But yet, Jesus, we can take his lead on our whys. Hey, we have a good father. I don't know why. I don't know why we're going through this. It doesn't make any sense. I can't put my finger on it. I want to trust him. Anyway, he was truly forsaken, yet he fully trusted. Second thing in this moment, he did it for prophecy. For prophecy. Who in here is a planner? Anybody in here, the planner in the family? Like you're the organizer, you have the, um, you have the, the charts or the calendar or the, the outlines. Your enogram type is uh, number one. Is that you? Okay. All right. You have things mapped out. I kind of stress out about these things. I, I'm, the, I'm a planner, but I, these things give me anxiety when my list, my post-it notes aren't getting all checked out and stuff like that. Like I have a counselor that I meet with every so often. And I was telling him about all the lists and my, the thoughts that go through my head and the stress and the anxiety that comes up when I'm dealing with these things. And he was like, whoa, 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 Mike, slow down. You're like, you're giving me anxiety just talking about all the stuff on your, your list. Like we got to get this in check. All right. Who's, who are not the planner? Who, 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 like somehow, some way you go on your trip and like you just magically appear where you need to go on vacation with your bags are like magically packed. You make this, I don't know how you guys do it. I, I know how you got a planner somewhere in the family who does it for you. And when the planner doesn't do it, you're like, where's the planner? Who's doing this stuff? You know, I need it. Jesus, I'm going to prove you something. Jesus was a planner. So all you planners, you can be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus was a planner. You're like, what's your reasoning? Scholars say that there were over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah in the Old Testament that said, hey, this is where he's going to be born. This is what he's going, some of the things he's going to do. This is the things, some of the things he's going to say. This is going to be some events, some things that take place when he dies. And Jesus fulfilled all of them. He, he still had some things on the list to check off in this moment. And I want you to see this as you go on down through Psalm 22. He still had some work to do. 
In verse 7 of Psalm 22, it says, All who see me mock me, and they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And you'll see in Matthew 27, 43, if you look through that later on this week, that Jesus, that was happening in the moment. And then in verse 16 of Psalm 22, it says, Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me, and they divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. And there in Matthew 27, verse 35, they're doing exactly that. These are prophecies that were written hundreds of years prior to Jesus' existence by multiple authors over time. It's one of the reasons that you can trust God. Like, I believe in Jesus Christ mainly because of the resurrection. Like, if that event did not happen, then what we're doing here is a sham and no good. But it happened. But another reason you can have faith in Jesus Christ is the, is the fact that all of these things were written about a Messiah and he fulfilled them all. Like you can go and fact check them and see, did he do these things? We serve not only a good God, but we serve a God who is faithful and he is trustworthy. Like his enemies in this moment thought he was done. The Sanhedrin, the Jews of the time, they said, hey, we're going to squash this little uh, thing that's going on, this little side version of Judaism, and we're going to destroy this guy. He's dead. Hey, if you're God, come off the cross, man. They're mocking him in the moment, and they think he's done and defeated. Yet our God says, oh, <laughs> enemies of me, guess what? They work for me. I still have some, some chores to do on my list. I still have some prophecies to fill. Thank you guys for doing Psalm 22 for me, by the way, because I needed you for that. Some of you might need to send your enemies a thank you card. Like, we want to dismiss our enemies. We want to dismiss our critics. We want to, you know, what you, you point a finger at me. I got about 10 coming right back at you. We want to defeat them. But that's not Jesus. That's not what he says. He says, what about your enemies? Love your enemies. Bless your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because in God's kingdom, in God's economy, the enemies work for him. The Roman soldiers like, hey, we're going to squash this rebellion. Why? We don't even know what this thing is, but it's, it's done. We, don't, we want these mobs out of here. We want peace. Oh, by the way. You're going to fulfill some prophecy while you're doing this. You, you, know, you're, you think you're getting a new coat tonight, but you're actually fulfilling prophecy for God. You can trust that God is a good God and he's a faithful God, even when you don't understand why. Oh, Romans 8.28 is screaming right now that says, hey, I will take anything, anything that comes in your way, even evil, and I will use it for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. Folks, you can be excited for the fact that God loves you and has a purpose for you, and there's nothing that comes your way that God cannot use. And I know for a lot of us, we want the consequences to go away. I'm not talking about consequences because there's some things that we've done and consequences, they're going to stay. But God is still good that he can take whatever that was and put a what behind the why. 
that he can turn it into something good. And I know there's some things in my head that I'm still scratching. Like, there's some things that happen in my life. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, what of any good can come from that? I don't know. But I will trust God anyway because I know he's a good God and I know he's a faithful God. And the third thing that he did this for, why God, my God, why were you forsaken? He did it for us. He did it for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in, in him we might become the righteousness of God. He was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. Why was Jesus forsaken? Why did he have to die on the cross? He was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. He did it for us. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at all your screw-ups and all your failures and all your mess-ups. No. He sees Jesus. Not, he sees righteousness. Not our righteousness, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. That act right there, when he took on the wrath of God, paid for all of your sins and all of my sins. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. That's the glory of the cross. When death looked like it had won, when Satan, our enemy, looked like he had his day of victory, no, it was all a setup for us that we can put our hope in Jesus Christ. And that's it. That's the story of Easter. That's the story of Christianity, that it is Jesus and Jesus alone. And that's why we celebrate. He did it for us. Psalm 22 ends on this. It starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? And it ends with this. Our children will also serve him. Future generations, that's us, will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. There's people who aren't even born yet who need to hear this message of hope. They will hear about everything he has done. I like how the NIV states it. It says, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. He done it. You don't have to do anything. Jesus has done it for us. He did it for them. He did it for us. And he did it for you. And I'm here to tell you today, he did it for Los Alamos. God loves Los Alamos so much. As we lead up to this Easter season, each one of you, each one of you got these invite cards. And I want to challenge you over the course of this next week to invite somebody to an Easter service. Because we have our whys. There's things that have happened in our life that seem unreasonable, unfair, unexplainable. I don't know what's going on. There, but at the same time, we have people just outside of us who are going through the same things. They're struggling with divorce. They're struggling with, with uh, death or a loss of a relationship or a financial hit. Or, there's things that have come our way. And we're all struggling, looking for hope. And there are people outside that they are reaching. They're desperate and they're grasping I'm looking for this promotion. I'm looking for this vacation. I'm looking for this money. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and they're missing out. 
We have the hope. We are the ones who are called to tell of the good deeds of the Lord, what he has done to the next generation. He loves Los Alamos. And I'm telling you, you are here on a purpose. Your circle of influence, where you work, your neighborhood, the people who you interact with, you're here on a purpose. And so I want to encourage you to invite. You're like, I don't know, how do I invite somebody to Easter? You could literally just say, hey, do you have a place to go for Easter? A church home that you would want to go to? Would you mind coming with me? Just real simple. Come check it out. Come see. I don't understand it all, but I know it's changed my life. Come and see. Would you come with me? Everybody matters deeply to God. They matter so much to God. And it's in this moment as he's crying out. He did it for us. I got a sign here. It says, uh, there's two words. One word put together, but there's two words. You see it? You see it? So on the count of three, I want you to just say out loud, shout out loud so I can hear it. What two words do you see here? Okay? Just shout out the two words you see here. You ready? One. Two, three. Now, I heard some of you, I heard it just faintly. Some of you said the top one, nowhere. Nowhere. Some of us, we go through life and we see some things that come across our way and we're like, God is nowhere here. Why? I'll see you anywhere, God. I've had those moments in my life, but I've also know I've, I, I've had enough moments with God where I keep trusting and I know he's good and I keep searching and I keep seeking and I, my why gets turned into a what. And I've come to realize what a lot of you said was now here. It's in these moments, these cries, this pain, this agony that God is not. No, 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 no. He's not nowhere to be found. No, he is now here. He is now here. It's in these moments that we cry out that we should be looking for him. And he's right there with us. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. And he is a God that is with us. He is with us. We can trust him today with our whys. Because there's a what behind our why. I grew older. And um, in 2004, I was able to go on a mission trip to Honduras. And... Um, and some, in my prayer time in Honduras, I, was, I prayed and was still asking God why. Um, and I felt like God revealed to me that he allowed that to happen. So um, a passion could be birthed inside of me for students, for youth, for young people. We struggled with the why and um, questioned. And God showed us throughout the whole process that he was with us and that he, he was holding our Isaiah when we couldn't. But it was during the time when we knew that he was going to leave us, that he was going to, to go be with our Father in heaven, that we knew God was in this. We, we, we knew he was. But it was, it was difficult to get to that place. We, we really wanted him to be healed. But we, had, we began the process of accepting that God was God and God is good. I would never choose to have my father abuse me. But uh, by God allowing that to happen, um, I'm able, as a survivor, I'm able to tell my students that they too can forgive. 
they too can survive. They too can be healed um, and live with our true father. Because of that, man, I can experience the love of my true father, my heavenly father, a love that is pure and unconditional. After trying for a year and a half after losing Isaiah, um, we found out this past Christmas that um, I'm pregnant and um, I have a piece about this pregnancy and that's something that I feel that God has shown me and um, put on my heart and he's been faithful and he's good. Would you guys please stand with me? If you mind, I, as we pray together, um, if you feel comfortable, just take the card and maybe just lift it up with your hands. It's kind of out of the symbol of surrender. I want to pray for these cards. I'm going to pray if you want. I'm going to pray, but you can pray with me of who these are going to. In a sense, kind of just my heart and our hearts to just be praying that God would do a work over Los Alamos. Because it's not just Freedom Church. There's several churches in town that Easter Sunday is going to be one of the biggest Sundays of the year. I want to see God change lives here, but I want to see him change lives everywhere. So will you just pray with me? Maybe take that card and stick it up and just say, God, I know you love Los Alamos so much that you gave your one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God, you were forsaken so that we could be forgiven. So ultimately, so that we could have a relationship with you. This is all part of your plan. I don't understand it. I don't even understand my salvation at times, why you would love me, why you would have a plan for me, why you would want anything to do with me. Yet I know that you do. And I pray for myself and I pray for everyone here as we go out. Give us your eyes. Open our eyes and our hearts to see those around us. Open doors around us, Jesus. Open doors. We can't open. Work on our behalf and show us so that when we do invite, maybe we don't even need a card. We just need a mouth to say, hey, would you come, Father, that we would be obedient to you, trusting you every step of the way. Father, help us to take our steps this week. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a, a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.